Hallelujah. Let's go to the New Testament. James, James chapter 3. Let's read verses 1 to 5. James 3, 1 to 5. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now if we put the bits into the horse's mouth so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Look at the ships also, though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder whenever the inclination of the pilot desires. Verse 5 So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, that you gave your Spirit. I pray that this morning you will... You will uh, pour out your spirit on uh, Danny, on Umbova, on Jomana and Ari doing the translating. That each one sitting here today will understand the Word of God. That we will not just hear with our physical ears, but we will hear in our heart, in our spirit. I thank you now in the name of Yeshua. When I read the words in verse 2 that he who does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. This was very interesting to me. Very frequently I hear, there is no perfect man. You've already heard things like that? Nobody's perfect. It's truth in that. But here he says, that a man who does not stumble in what he says, he can be perfect. He uses the example of the bit that you put into the horse's mouth. This bit is a type of strap that you put, for instance, in a horse's mouth. And in this way you can have control of the horse, you can stop it, you can direct it. And in the same way, the Word of God says that we can, that we can have control over our mouth in the same way. In this way, if you can, you can control and direct your mouth in the same way that God wants, in your tongue, you have the uh, probability to come to perfection. And what do they mean by perfection? He's talking about the nature of man, mentally, the uh, characteristics of the man, his morality. And when you are able to, if you are able to have control over these aspects of yourself, you can get to perfection in these uh, areas. I thank the Lord that He gave us only one tongue. He gave us two eyes, two ears, two legs, two hands, two arms. But thank God we only have one tongue. Say, think about if we had two tongues, we would work overtime. When I look in the Word of God on the man, the person that every word he said was perfect only came to one man. And he's more than a man. He's the Son of God. He's the Messiah, Yeshua. When Yeshua walked on this earth, every word that He said, it had significance. It was not just dumb, just without significance. It had a purpose. For me, the best example is Yeshua. I know people that speak pretty well, but they have their mistakes. 
I want us to see from the Word of God how important it is to have control of our tongue, over our mouth. Let's look at Matthew chapter 12. You know, in the last months in the uh, in the congregation, God has given us channel challenging and prophetic words. God spoke to me this week very clearly to dig down into the foundations, to the foundations of our faith. And I believe that God is giving a series of teachings. The first thing He showed me is to speak in the Spirit of God. And today we're going to talk about our mouth. Matthew 12, verse 36. But I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. Every careless word, every word that is not necessary, we shall give an accounting for it. I bought an iPod, 30 gigabytes, and I heard you can put many things on it. But I want to tell you that each one of you has an iPod in heaven that records every word that you say here on earth. From the day that you learned your first word, Abba, Father, Dad, maybe some of the uh, children, Mommy, every word is recorded. And the day that we will stand before God, we shall give an account for every word. Is that serious? It's very serious. Let's look at the danger that was in our tongue, and we'll look at it through the Word of God. Let's look at uh, Proverbs chapter 18. In, in Proverbs, there are many verses talking about the tongue. Proverbs 18, verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Our tongue can bring death or life. I like to describe the things that we say. It's like a pistol or a gun. The minute that you press the trigger and the bullet comes out, there is no way for you to take it back. The minute you said a word, it's like you fired a gun. You can bring life or you can bring death. In the world that we live, wars have started because of words that men spoke. People have killed one another because of a word that was said. In Israel, in 1980, there was very charged elections. There were two leading parties, the Likud and the Labour Party. Menachem Begin was a candidate to be Prime Minister. And at that time there were adverts connected to the elections. And every party tried to get to its own party famous celebrities. And the Likud party was more identified with the Moroccan, Iraqi, Sephardic Jews, those, those that came from the Middle Eastern origins. And there was a man called Dudu Tupat. He was a leading entertainer in the world of television in Israel. He was with the Labour Party, identified with the Labour Party. And he said, he talked about Menachem Begin and the Likud party. He said, everybody are chachachim. Uh, talk about what is chachachim. It's an insult to a person without culture. This one word, he began to, be, began to get death threats on his life. And then he left, fled Israel, went to America. But more than this, people believe up to this day that the results of the elections were decided because of this one word. And Menachem Begin became prime minister because of what happened. The words that we say, 
They have so much power to bring death or to bring life. Let's look at Proverbs 15, verse 4. A soothing tongue is a tree of life, but perversion in it crushes the spirit. Here it talks about the tongue is like a tree of life that brings healing. In the same way you can crush or break somebody's spirit. Take for instance school. One of the students failed an exam. And the teacher says to this, te this student, nothing good will come from you. And the worse than this is when uh, the same child comes home and the parents say the same thing, You're nothing, nothing good's going to come out of you. And this uh, young boy, youth, that hears these words, broken his spirit. You've brought him to a place where he begins to believe that he's zero and nothing good will come of him. And the result of this will come out later on in his life. You've crushed his spirit. You've ruined somebody's life. And maybe something else should happen. And the teacher can say to him, not so bad, next time you'll succeed. I believe that you can do it. And he comes home. You can hear from his teachers, this, you can do it, we'll help you, you're, you, you're intelligent. These words can bring healing to this young boy and to change his future. We can bring soothing or we can bring uh, crushing, breakage. I want to look at four areas where we should be careful. Look at Proverbs 12. Verse 18, Proverbs 12:18. There is one who speaks rashly like the thrusts of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. The first thing we should be careful of, it's the, all the words that we speak in a way that we stab other people. I call talk these bites. Let me give an example of what I mean. This boy, this man is so beautiful, but it's a pity he's got a long nose. You say good things, but you're bringing some sort of knife wound inside, some sort of bite. This, this woman is such a beautiful bitch, but if she took a few kilos off, she'd be much more beautiful. Bites, little insect bites. You come home, or you go somewhere, they're preparing food. It was wonderful food, really good, tasty food, but you should have added a bit more salt. There are people with them, it's, it's an art. No, it doesn't matter where you put them, it doesn't matter what situation they're in. No, it doesn't matter how perfect it is what you're doing, they'll find something. Aha, uh -huh. that's not good. Insect bites, little bites. Think a little bit. Think about your life, the days of your life. Are you hitting people, stabbing people, even though you don't think about it unconsciously? Are you bringing healing to people through your words? Be careful of these bites. Psalm 34. It's the second area. Psalm 34, verse 14. 
verse 13 in English. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Psalm 34 verse 13. On a hand grenade has a uh, catch on it. It's, it's, it's the same word. Put a catch, a safety catch on your tongue. Talks about, on the second part of the verse, about speaking deceit. Don't lie. You know, I, Danny, like to fish. I'm in a place where everybody tells what fish they caught in the past. It's like a, oh, in the, it's a, a site on the internet. It, the, they all talk about fishing. And one of the things that bothers his wife, Luan, is that nobody there tells the truth. I, I got a big fish. <laughs> <laughs> but really the fish was so small <laughs> and I know it I'm a fisherman and I see the picture I know how much this fish weighs and I know that the weight is half a kilo through because of the size but they write half, one and a half kilos let's not get get uh, critical of the fish let's say you're telling a story an experience that happened to you Sometimes you improve the story with a few extra details. It'll make the story much better. You know that it happens a lot to believers. They don't even pay attention to this. That they exaggerate. There were thousands of people. It was a hundred. <laughs> Ten thousand received the Lord. Ten. <laughs> These exaggerations with numbers sometimes, and I'm very careful when I teach and I give details, I want to be very exact to what I say, in what I say. Be careful of exaggeration. Don't speak deceit. Don't make... I'm not talking about a real lie. We, let's not go into, fall into things like that. The third thing. Ecclesiastes verse 5. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, sorry. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Let's talk about uh, uh, oaths. Ecclesiastes 5.1. Guard your steps as you go to the house of God and draw near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they are doing evil. Verse 3, oh, it's verse 4, okay, it's verse chap chapter 5, verses 2 and 4. Verse 4, when you make a vow to God, do not be laid in paying it, for he takes no delight in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. You need to understand that promises and oaths that we say one to another, that we, or that we say to God, God sees it in a very serious way. The minute that you swore about something, God is waiting for you to pay what you promised. And he, won't, he won't help you until you pay. He says it's better you don't make a vow, don't make an oath, rather than you make it and you don't pay. 
We live in a world that promises and vows it's something that you can break without any problem. People that promise things to one to a couple that that promise to live in health and happiness through hard times and disease till death do us part. You know, the fastest divorce I heard about was one week. People don't treat uh, oaths and uh, promises seriously. I'm talking about believers. When I say to the Lord, I believe you. I'm going after you. I will do what you tell me to do. When you state promises like this to God, God expects you to do this. When we promise things one to another, God expects us to fulfill them. I've made a habit not to promise something that there's a possibility that I cannot do. Maybe I told you about this, but it happens up today. It's already a number of years that my youngest daughter comes to me every day and says, Father, buy me a horse. No, no horse. Father, please, please, Father, no no horse. Every day. Maybe I could say, yeah, maybe I'll buy a horse later on, sometime. But the minute you say it, the, the other side really takes it seriously. The minute you haven't fulfilled your promise, you become somebody not uh, uh, trustworthy and people will not believe you. Yeshua in Matthew 5, 33-37 says, Your yes should be yes and your no, no. Don't swear. Don't make an oath. Get to a place where yes is yes and no is no. As a new believer, I came to my family. I tell them I'll help them in something. They immediately want me to swear. If there is no oath, they don't take it seriously. And I used to say to them, I do not swear, but I'll do it. Yeah, yeah, sure, we believe you. After a certain period of time, when they, when they saw that my yes is yes and my no, no, they began to believe. To believe that the things that I say are right and true. The, the words that come out of our mouth, promises, vows, God expects us to do what we say. Don't just say things carelessly. Think about it. Then say, decide whether you're going to do it or not. That's the, last, the fourth area. Uh, numbers 3. It's about the 12 spies. No, it's not Numbers 3 then. It's talking about the 12 spies. The first part of their report was that, uh, that uh, a land of milk and honey and there's... Uh, um, a lot of water and green but the second part of the report that there's be uh, it's, it's chapter 13 verse 32 the men, verse 31 we are not able to go up against these people for they are too strong for us 
they gave a bad report about the the uh, about the uh, land. Do you know what it means? A libel. They gave a libel about the land. Sometimes when you want to put somebody down before people to make it a um, an object of hate to uh, attack him in his work in his company in, in everything that he works in these ten spies not only that they gave a bad report about the land but the things that they did they humbled God they gave a bad name to God they made a libel of the land you know how this comes out in us when I begin to say oh Israel is such a hard land there's no patience for with anybody it's so expensive here bureaucracy and I began to complain and to complain and I, be I make this land so difficult and then people say what are you doing here if it's so difficult People get to the point where they leave the land, leave Israel. Many problems. And we've got to be careful of these, these things. But there's another report of Joshua and Caleb. They saw the same thing. But they saw it through the eyes of faith. And they said, we can, we can do it. We can do it. God is with us doesn't matter how expensive it is his. He will give us, supply all our needs. No, doesn't matter how hard it is. He will help us. Even if it's hard for me to learn Hebrew, He will give me the strength. What? Oh, so many people, this open is so hard for me. I don't know if I can ever learn this language. If you carry on talking this way, you will not learn anything. But to say, I can do it because God is with me. I will, I will overcome. doesn't matter how hard it is. He is with me. He is with you through the whole way. Because He brought you here. He will take care of you. The things that we bring out of our mouth will influence our lives now you, if you complain about the land if you say how hard it is you know where you're going to find yourself in the desert walking around in the desert 40 years in the desert and you will not see the promises of God with your eyes don't complain Say that it's good here. With all the hard things. Because the Lord is good. And He is with us. The minute you begin to complain, you make the living God so small. Just a little while ago, I opened the, the Red Sea before you. Not long ago, you saw the strongest army drown in that sea. I gave you manna in the desert. What? I can't give you strength for these things? God, our God is a great God. 
but you need the approach. The things that you bring out of your mouth, that will determine your present state at this time. I want to talk about some practical ways to be careful with your uh, tongue. And we'll make, do this the fastest we can. Proverbs 10, chapter, nine, uh, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19. When there are many words, transgression is unavoidable. But he who restrains his lips is wise. And a piece of advice, the less you talk, the better it is. Anybody saw the film Bambi? Disney's film Bambi? There's an event in this film. Bambi was just born and there's this little rabbit looking at him and Bambi can't stand up and can't walk properly and he falls down and the rabbit says to Bambi, look at how your legs are bent, you can't go, uh, can't walk. And the mother rabbit takes the little baby rabbit and what did the mother say? And the rabbit and the father says, if you have nothing good to say, don't say anything. That's good for us as well. If you've got nothing good to say, don't say anything. You don't have to say anything. If you've got something good to say, say it. There's so much buried inside you want to say it. Put a bit in your mouth like the horse. Don't bring it out. Don't talk a lot. Proverbs 29, verse 20. In Proverbs there are many things about the tongue. Verse 20. Do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. We need to learn to control our reactions. Don't be hasty to react. Somebody who talks quickly for the fool there's more hope than for him somebody said something to you wait think if you got something good to say maybe something I'm gonna say will cause trouble for me maybe not then I'll speak or not speak but in our nature if when somebody said something that hurts you take out your store of weapons and you attack. Uh, what can I say about you? I got so much to say about you. It's not wise. <laughs> you heard it. If you've got something good to say, say it. Otherwise, don't. Don't be hasty. <laughs> Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Learn to say things that build up in courage. Verse 97. Verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. King David says, all day I talk about your word. There are two types of people among the believers. There are people that you are with them a certain, number, certain amount of time. You you been with them a, a, some time and uh, you come out built up in courage because they talked about the Word of God. 
and there are people that you've been with them and they talk so much nonsense that you came out to not just not build up, sometimes you have to repent. Ephesians chapter 4. Here's a verse that we all need to learn off by heart. It's homework for you. Ephesians 4. You've never heard about homework in this congregation? Ephesians 4, verses 29 and 30. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Everything that comes out of our mouth should build, should bring pleasantness to those who hear you. doesn't matter where you are. doesn't matter with which people you're with. Everything that comes out of our mouth should be for edification, to build up, to give grace to those who hear. If after they've been with you, they've been built up in the faith, they can become closer to God. And I'll finish with the verses we know from Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. Verse 1. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. This vision was revealed to Isaiah at the time that the king of Judah, King Uzziah, died. Uzziah was a king that was chosen at a very young age to reign on on Judah. And he started his reign pretty well and he was somebody who had the fear of God. But as he grew older and he grew stronger, pride began to fill his heart until the time point where he went into the temple of God and he wanted to burn incense. And the position of what he did was only for the high priest. And they came to him and said, Get out of here, this is not a place for you. And his pride, he, he, uh, was a, he resisted this. He said, I'm staying here, I don't care what. And suddenly leprosy from God broke out on his forehead. And that's what happened. And in that year, after what happened to King Uzziah, the, uh, um, the prophet Isaiah had a vision. Verse 2. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold trembled at the voice of him who called out, while the temple was filled with smoke. The vision that Isaiah saw, he saw an amazing sight that he never saw before. He saw the throne of God. He sees the one sitting on the throne. He sees... Raphim 
flying about around the throne and that say, Holy, 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 it's the Lord of hosts. The house was full of cloud and smoke and then suddenly something happened. Verse 5. Then he said, Woe is me for I am ruined because I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. The, the prophet was in the presence of God. He says, Oh, oh, woe is me, for I am ruined. I am a person of unclean lips. And I think of this m moment that he experienced, that he heard the angels sing, Holy, holy, holy. And he sees the sin in his own life. He says, I, saying, I cannot even join into this song. I cannot join in to what the angels are saying. I am a man of unclean lips. Not just that, the people that I'm in the midst of are people of unclean lips. In that moment, he, he repents of his sin. But thank God that when we repent before him, he is faithful to uh, repent. Verse 6. Then one of the Srafim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away and your sin is forgiven. One of the Srafim that said a few moments before, Holy, 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 takes a burning coal from the altar and touches his lips and he cleanses him and he covers his sin. I went through this purification when Yeshua came into my life. Before I was a believer, I had a really dirty mouth. I would swear a lot. It was not pleasant to be near me. But the minute that Yeshua came into my life, I felt that he burned my mouth and my tongue and throughout 20 years not one curse came out of my mouth because he purified me at that moment. And you know something, after that purification, you know we are called to take this good gospel to the world. We have been called to take the name of Yeshua to this world in our mouths, in our lips. And unclean lips cannot do this. And after this description, he says in verse 8, Then he heard the voice of the Lord saying, saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, then he said, Here am I, send me. Now that you can carry my name, God asks a question here. Who will I send? Who will go for us? And Yeshua was wise. He doesn't make the mistake of Moses and Jeremiah. I'm, I'm a man 
Moses says, it's difficult for me to speak. I can't do it. Jeremiah said, I'm young. <laughs> Too young for this. God says, who will I send? And I see the, the prophet Isaiah says, I'm first. I'm going. I'm here. I want to go. How many of you want to go in the sending of God in the world, in this land? But firstly, firstly he has to clean his lips, purify his lips, those that carry the name of the Lord. Our mouths should be clean before him. Let's stand. Let's pray now. <laughs> I believe there's an altar here. God wants to take from it a uh, burning coal and touch our lips. When we do not talk in the Spirit of God, we sin before God. And I believe that the presence of God is, with, is here this morning to purify us. And I want to open up the front of the uh, platform for people who want to experience this purification. The people who want to say, Here, Lord, clean my lips, purify my lips. From now on, the things that come out of my mouth will be for your glory and your honor. The things that I say will build up others, encourage others, will bring life, will bring healing. If God is speaking to you, I'm asking you to come forward. I invite you to come forward. That God will touch you. Let God take a burning coal from the altar. And let Him clean you, purify you. Every, mo every time we say something and not from the Spirit of God, we make the Spirit sad, the Holy Spirit sad. The Holy Spirit lives in us. And I do not want to make the Holy Spirit sad. I want that the Holy Spirit in me, the Spirit of God in me, will always be happy, won't be sad. Every time I say a word and, and ha hurt somebody, I'm saddening the spirit. Hallelujah. Oh Lord. Take this time before God now. Ask His forgiveness. He is here to forgive. He says that if we, we will uh, uh, we will confess our sins, the Lord Yeshua is faithful to forgive 
and to purify us from all sin.